0: We got it going on the midday program from the rural radio network, and I, I and I'm going to put uh, Jason on the uh, on the spot here. But I got to tell you that the um, the chocolate top rice krispie treats that were put out there by Carol are just the perfect uh, counterpoint to the diesel coffee around here. So.
1: Well, there you go. They're actually called Scotcheroos.
0: Scotcheroos
2: mm-hmm. is what those are. Right. And uh, yes, they're, Joe, they they're just like my mom make. So I am going to have maybe a big chunk later on this afternoon. Good, if they're, left. they're going
1: fast. Pretty darn so good.
2: kudos to Carol, because they're good... And so,
1: I've had other Scotchroos in other places not to brag. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the biggest kick I get when I bring those is that people think I actually made them. <laughs> no, no, it's like, no, no that's no. not the case. You mean you didn't?
2: No. <laughs> no. no. Absolutely.
0: So, so uh, you know, I, I just want to let people know that r- around here, w- when we need s- not salvation, but salivation, we go for those. Okay. <laughs> okay, Bob. I was just going to say the quality goes in before the name goes on, and they're great.
3: They taste great, and they ought to be illegal.
0: That's true. Yeah, they are very habit forming. All right. Speaking of habits, we always find out what the ag headlines are doing with Joe
2: Gangwish. <laughs> now that I'm hungry for scotcheroos, I'll fumble through my preview here in ag news at twelve thirteen. Still, lots of rhetoric following yesterday's budget proposal and how it's uh, going to affect agriculture. It appears that uh, China-U.S. beef import discussion is starting to move a little faster, so that's certainly good news. And Senator Fisher from Nebraska uh, reintroducing yesterday her Fuels Act. And we'll talk more about that during Ag News. Shaley at 1219 will visit with Hillary Miracle. She's with uh, Common Ground. She's a volunteer here in Nebraska. Uh, Hillary now in Detroit this week with U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. They are at the Sustainable Brands Conference helping to advocate for farmers and ranchers sustainability efforts. Newsmaker is Dean Grosskirth, Director of the USDA National Ag Statistics Service, their Northern Plains office. They have sent out their surveys for the June Agriculture and Area Surveys. This will go into that big report we have coming up on acreage and stocks report that comes out in June. Those surveys should be hitting your mailboxes here very soon. Uh, so we'll have that as our newsmaker. And Jesse is back at 117. Get reaction from Nebraska 3rd District Representative Adrian Smith. Yesterday discussed the President's proposed budget. And also he talked a little bit about NAFTA. Right.
1: Showers are blooming in Bloomington. Yeah, it's a little murky there in that game that's going on right now between Indiana and Minnesota. They continue to play through it. They are in the 8th inning. Minnesota leads at 5-4. to four. Hopefully the rain will... Won't be any heavier than it is or maybe quit so they can stay on schedule. Nebraska is supposed to play the third game this afternoon for Central Time as they will be battling against Purdue. Iowa and Maryland are set for the late game. That will be very late, my guess, is just because it's the fourth game and there's weather and... Who knows? But uh, coming up in sports, we'll preview Nebraska's matchup with Purdue this afternoon. Also, the Husker football recruiting class for 2018 has picked up another nice verbal commitment from our region. And the boys' NSAA State Golf Tournament wraps up today, and the kids got a pretty decent day to play today. They do here. Much better than yesterday. Very nice.
0: All right. Bob Brogan has the business news. U.S. stocks are up for the fifth straight day as materials
3: and real estate companies move higher. And uh, technology companies are making some of the largest gains. Uh, stocks continue to recover the steep losses they suffered a, suffered a week ago. Also, um, Americans pulled back their pace of home buying in April. And shares
0: in lows are falling after the retailer reported that its first quarter profit fell. All right. Thank you very much. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. Boy, I'll tell you what. This would have been the time to have the big a, the Big Ten tournament would have been right here, right now.
4: Yeah, next year will be all the way through 2022 in Omaha. But yeah, today not a good day. For having the Big Ten Tournament in Bloomington, Indiana, though they are playing. Yeah. And if you look at the radar image, you say, well, I'm surprised they are, but a light rain shield continues to live north through much of Indiana. It's actually one of the few spots in the nation that's rainy right now. That Indiana down to Kentucky and also portions of the far southeast part of the country.
0: That is the greenest part of our radar from coast <laughs> to coast and border to border right now. Ag Weather with Paul is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranking dealer in Holdridge, Lexington, Alabama,
4: yeah they're dealing with that system that we had yesterday we were on the back side of it and got some strong north winds and some occasional light showers today a big ridge of high pressure moving overhead and really giving us a nice day light wind sunshine and those temperatures are going to be rather ideal this afternoon a ridge of high pressure moving overhead for today those winds light for this afternoon but then they will increase tonight for a milder night Last time, we saw temperatures get below freezing in some portions of the area. Thunderstorms expected to late tomorrow over eastern Colorado. Those will track to the east through the evening and overnight. Better moisture for those storms to hold together going to be across Kansas. Most of the storms expected to die out before they reach the central and east part of Nebraska and Kansas, but you can't rule out completely a chance for some thunderstorms tomorrow night. Severe thunderstorms likely to form over northeast Colorado once again on Friday afternoon. Those will track to the east during the evening and overnight. Those storms holding a more likely chance of staying together. But by the time the storms start to reach the central areas of Nebraska and Kansas, it's likely that that will be very late in the evening or after midnight Friday night, and that will keep the severe threat rather limited. And we are right now in the height of severe weather season, appreciable moisture, certain possibility with those thunderstorms. Most likely it looks like late Friday night into Saturday morning because we could see some thunderstorms linger for part of the day on Saturday, but mainly into the morning hours. Most locations will see very small, if any, chances for rain the rest of the holiday weekend. On into Tuesday, skies will be sunny to partly cloudy. Going to be nice on the temperatures, just slightly below normal for this time of year. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. forecast to be cooler than normal. Memorial Day through the first six days of June, that precipitation forecast, predicts mostly near-normal precipitation amounts Memorial Day through June 6th in both Nebraska and Kansas. Kansas with a slightly better chance of above-normal precipitation. This morning, state low in Nebraska just below freezing at 30 in North Platte, Alliance, and Sydney. That made for some cooler soil temperatures. At the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning, soil temperatures in the low 40s in the Panhandle along and west of the line from O'Neill to Kearney and Norton. Those soil temperatures cool to the mid to upper 40s, and soil temperatures in the low to mid 50s were found in the eastern third of Nebraska and central and east kansas weather factors in the markets today include less than desirable conditions for crop development across the midwest and a mixed outlook for the southern plains wheat areas low pressure will cross southern canada over the next few days that'll force a cold front south across the nation's midsection and eastern u-s one to two inches of rain could fall in portions of the central plains mainly on friday and potentially up to three inches in the eastern U.S. over the weekend. That will cause more delays in row crop development and field work across the south and east midwest the next five days. The six to ten day outlook is warmer, but rainfall likely to be near normal or above normal in those areas. More rain in the southern plains will help out with soil moisture for the filling wheat, but there are concerns of disease from the wet weather. No major delays in final planning indicated for the northern plains in the next week but the cooler temperatures will slow down the germination and early development. Rain was needed in the southeast U.S. after they had a dry winter and early spring. Forecasted rain right now for them looks to benefit the soil moisture, but some heavy rains have been reported in the southern delta, and more rain could lead to localized flooding. Rain today and tomorrow in Alberta and, Sask- rain today and, tomorrow in Alberta and Saskatchewan expected to cause some fieldwork delays, including harvest of last season's crops. It will be much warmer in Western Europe this week. That will benefit the region after some recent rains. More rain needed in the key northeast China crop belt after recent rains. Recent temperatures have bounced back and forth there between seasonal and sometimes fairly hot.
0: Was, that's, my, that's my nightmare, having to say, if I ever got a job in Saskatoon, <laughs> Saskatchewan, <laughs> There you go. how in the world would you ever do that on your legal ID uh, that would be
4: know. a rough one. Stand it really two. would be.
0: Your ag weather brought to you by uh, Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer in Holdridge, Lexington, Alda, and Ravana when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. <laughs>
2: Budget talks are the big conversation right now in Washington. I'm Joe Gangwish with Ag News here on the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, President Trump released his budget, which caused concerns for many, including those in agriculture. Let's get more from Jesse Harding.
5: The proposed budget would cut the federal crop insurance program by 36% and reduce USDA programs, including ARC and PLC. Representative Adrian Smith shares his thoughts about the proposed budget.
6: Well, I'm going through uh, the, the details relating to the president's budget. Certainly, I would have my concerns about, I think, they would be perceived as, as unfair cuts. I, I know that there have been significant cuts to crop insurance previously, for example. I think that as we head into a, a new farm bill, we want to focus our discussion perhaps on, on a new farm bill, uh, but also realize that uh, I think uh, we should balance uh, the budget, On the backs of of folks who are already having a tough time. And uh, we know that the ag economy is struggling right now. We don't want to make that worse.
5: Congressman Smith says he looks forward to being engaged along the way and raise awareness as to where that money goes and how it helps. He plans to look at all proposals. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
2: Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, who only last week defended SNAP, crop insurance, and rural development funding during a House Ag Committee hearing. We'll have to talk about the budget today when he appears before the House Ag Appropriations Subcommittee. Yesterday, Purdue gave the opening statement on a conference call with reporters and then left it to others to field the questions. He says he didn't think there is any reason to, a reason to try to sugarcoat this situation. He says he's communicated with his team at USDA and said, Look, when times are tough, we just dig down and do more. He says that's what we'll do here, and he believes the people knew what they were doing when they elected President Trump. Well, the Nebraska producer is representing agriculture this week in Detroit. More from Shaley Peters.
7: Hillary Maracle in Albion, Nebraska, crop and livestock producer and common ground volunteer is in Detroit this week with the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance at the Sustainable Brands Conference to advocate for farmers and ranchers' sustainability practices. The Smart Farms, what we do is we've got a free TV or the cool glasses. And
8: we're um, inviting visitors to the booth to put those on and do a farm tour. So we're bringing the farm to them through that. And we've also got a number of different videos and things uh, that we're able to show them and then help them understand what we do on the farm. Miracle says they're pleased with the interaction. I would say their response has been extremely positive. And we're actually in the good food section, and we are getting a lot of interest in the why are you here? How do you But as soon as we start talking about our smart farm and technology, you know, food starts with the farmer, once we can help them make that connection. We had some amazing conversations.
7: USFRA released their Agriculture in America Sustainability Report this morning, and you can find it by visiting ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters.
2: Senator Deb Fischer of Nebraska from the Environment and Public Works Committee yesterday reintroduced legislation to give regulatory relief for Nebraska farmers and ranchers. Her bill, known as the Farmers Undertake Environmental Land Stewardship or Fuels Act, builds on her past efforts to modify EPA regulations that could negatively affect ag producers with on-farm fuel storage. A regulation intended for major oil refineries, known as Spill Prevention Control and Countermeasure, or SBCC, would affect the amount of fuel producers can store on their land, and it would also force families to make costly upgrades to fuel storage tanks. Fisher said in the past they've been successful in providing limited exemptions to this rule, but she still has more work to do. You can read more at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
7: A Nebraska crop and livestock producer and also Nebraska common ground volunteer is in Detroit this week at the Sustainable Brands Conference. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And here visiting with us today is that producer, Hillary Miracle. She's from Albion, Nebraska. And Hillary, you're up there. And when we think Sustainable Brands Conference, we kind of wonder... Why? Why is a Nebraska producer up there? Uh, but you are up there with the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance presenting kind of agriculture's story. Why don't you open up and tell us about what you're doing up there this week?
8: Hey, good morning, Shaley. I'm excited to be up in Detroit uh, representing agriculture, to be a part of farming. We're at Sustainable Brands, which is a conference uh, about 2,000 brand leaders, and they're having a conversation of how to be more sustainable, how to find success in today's market with our consumers who have a demand for sustainability, even though they still may um, have a question of what exactly sustainable, sustainability means, depending on who defines it. And so we really want to help them with the Smart Farm and the Ag in America Sustainability Report that USFRA has released, help those brands understand what we do in agriculture that makes us sustainable, and how this technology and all of the new technology that's coming out is truly, truly important to us being sustainable operation.
7: All right, and it's my understanding that you will present here just this afternoon and to talk a little bit more also about the USFRA's smart farm and what all that entails. Yeah, so the smart farm is, you know, how we use soil, how we use water, and how
8: we use technology to protect the environment, how we use So much more today with less. Uh, We're going to be throwing some of those facts out, trying to help people understand that today, the farmer of today, through the opportunity we have with technology, we can grow more with less. And so by having any concerns about the technology, um, it can actually make us less sustainable if you would take that technology away from us. We'd still be sustainable, but maybe not as strongly. And so the smart farm, what we do is we've got a 3 C viewer, those cool glasses, And we're um, inviting visitors at the booth to put those on and do a farm tour. Because we can't take the thousands of participants that are here, we can't take them all to the farm today. So we're bringing the farm to them through that. And we've also got a number of different videos and things uh, that we're able to show them. and and help them understand what we do on the funds. Well, one of the presentations we're going to do this afternoon is specifically about animal agriculture, um, how it is sustainable, how it's environmentally friendly, and sustainable profitability-wise. And I'm really excited about that one. That's going to be more of a a sit-down Q&A type session. So we could get hit with anything from anybody. So I'm super excited to see what kind of questions the folks at this conference have.
7: You mentioned there are a lot of conference goers. What seems to be their reaction when they come up to your booth? Are they surprised to see a big ag front at a sustainable brands conference? I would say their response has been extremely positive. We're in an
8: activation hub area, so they're calling it, and we're actually in the good food section, and we are getting a lot of interest in the why are you here, how do you fit. But as soon as we start talking about our smart farm and technology and, you know, booths, Start with the farmer. Once we can help them make that connection, we've had some amazing conversations. Everything from um, GMOs the hormones to why do you do A, B, or C? And it's just questions. Why do you do it that way? How do you do it that way? And as soon as we have that conversation, it calms down any fears and concerns they have about their food. As long as they can understand it, they definitely appreciate what we're doing. They're glad we're here. Uh, a little confused at first when they see the booth, like, why are farmers here? Um, but once they start to strike up a conversation and we can talk a little bit, they're really glad we're here.
7: Okay, Hillary, thank you for your time today. Hillary Miracle, she's a Nebraska crop and livestock producer. For more on this, you can visit ruralradio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening here to the Rural Radio Network.
0: You're in tune to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports now with Jason Jorgensen.
1: Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the Big Ten Baseball Tournament has started up in soggy Bloomington, Indiana. The Huskers are the top seed this time around as they'll face Purdue. Now, in recent years, the Huskers didn't finish the year as strongly as they would have liked. Head coach Darren Erstad talks about what traits have made this team different.
9: Well, I don't compare teams. You know, every year is a different year. Every team is going to have... A little bit different identity and makeup. Uh, We were close a few years. Things are going well or things are going bad. They just keep grinding it out and you just get to the next pitch. They're fully committed to the pitch and then whatever happens, they go play the next pitch. They don't. Let things snowball.
1: Now the forecast for the next two days in Bloomington does call for rain, and it's been raining this morning, especially during the matchup between Indiana and Minnesota. The second game of the day has Michigan against Northwestern. The Huskers are scheduled to take on Purdue at 4 central time. The late game has Maryland against Iowa. Nebraska's very solid 2018 football recruiting class picked up another verbal pledge yesterday as Lee Summit Missouri athlete Mario Goodrich committed to the Huskers. The four-star recruit also chose Nebraska over an offer list that included Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, Kentucky, Kansas, Kansas State, and Missouri. As a junior, the 6'2", 180-pound Goodrich picked off seven passes and broke up 12 more and caught six passes for touchdowns on his own. The Big East and Big Ten Conference have announced the matchups for the third annual Gavit Tip-Off Games with eight men's basketball contests set for November 13th through the 17th. Both Nebraska and Creighton will be involved in those games. Creighton will play at Northwestern on November 15th, and you visit St. John's on November 16th. Red Sox ace Chris Sale can set a major league record by striking out at least 10 batters in his ninth straight game. When he starts tonight against Texas, the lefties already matched the mark of eight in a row, which he did in 2015 with the White Sox, and Pedro Martinez accomplished with Boston in 1999. Sale has fanned 95 hitters this year in 65 and two-thirds innings over nine starts in his first year with the Red Sox. Cleveland Cavaliers are on the verge of their third consecutive meeting with the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. Cavaliers own a 3-1 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals after Kyrie Irving and LeBron James combined for 76 points. And the Cavs won 12, 99 cover behind victory last night over the Celtics. And the NSAA Boys State Golf Tournament's wrap-up today going into the final day. Millard West had the lead in Class A. Aurora was leading Elkhorn in Class B. And Lincoln Lutheran was in front of Class C. Westhold had the lead heading into the final day of action in Class D. Those tournaments all wrap-up today. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
3: Sunny with a high near 69. Today, west winds only blow about 5 miles an hour. Tonight, mostly clear with a low of around 48. And then for Thursday, Mostly sunny, a high of 74 south winds at about 10 miles an hour. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Faust. Yesterday, President Trump released his budget, which caused concerns for many. Rural Radio Network correspondent Jesse Harding has more.
5: The proposed budget would cut the federal crop insurance program by 36 percent and reduce USDA programs, including ARC and PLC. Representative Adrian Smith shares his thoughts about the proposed budget.
6: Well, I'm going through uh, the, the details relating to the president's budget. Certainly, I would have my concerns about, I think, they would be perceived as, as unfair cuts. I, I know that there have been significant cuts to crop insurance previously, for example. I think that as we head into a, a new farm bill, we want to focus our discussion perhaps on, on a new farm bill, uh, but also realize that I um, think uh, we should balance the, the budget on the backs of, of folks who are already having a tough time and uh, we know that the ag economy is struggling right now. We don't want to make that worse.
5: Congressman Smith says he looks forward to being engaged along the way and raise awareness as to where that money goes and how it helps. He plans to look at all proposals. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
3: The president's proposed budget also calls for deep cuts in Medicare and food stamps, et cetera, things known as poverty programs. Smith talks about this contentious issue.
6: I mean, we want programs that work, uh, programs that are effective. I've, I've been engaging on that front uh, since I took, uh, and even even before that, but since I uh, took over as the chair, uh, subcommittee chairman uh, of the Human Resources Subcommittee of Ways and Means. Uh, so those are our issues, so I will continue to engage on that. These are not easy issues to resolve, but I, I believe they, they need, they, they beg for solution.
3: Smith said there is spending without accountability on some fronts, and he said Congress needs to get a hold of that spending. Former Vice President Joe Biden, who headed a National Cancer Moonshot Task Force, served as a keynote speaker Tuesday afternoon for the ribbon-cutting and dedication of the Fred and Pamela Buffett Cancer Center in Omaha.
6: He understands that this cancer center is a transformational force, that this is a new way of looking at what it's going to take to get that moonshot not only off the ground, but to get it into space and rapidly approaching not just the moon, but beyond.
3: The former vice president's son, Bo, died of brain cancer in 2015 at the age of 46. The new facility, which opens to patients in early June, is the largest project ever for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and its clinical partner, Nebraska Medicine. Get the latest forecast and live severe weather reporting around the clock on KRVN and krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Scott Foster.
5: Coming up next month will be some of the most highly anticipated reports from USDA and the National Agriculture Statistics Service. For the World Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Dean Grosskirth. He is the director with NAS in the Northern Plains office based in Lincoln. Dean, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of these reports that are coming up in June and what NAS is doing to get ready for them.
10: Sure. Um, we are getting ready to do the June Agriculture and the June Area Survey. These are two of the most important surveys we do in NAS. These surveys will help us estimate the number of acres and acres to be harvested and grain stocks on farms for the state of Nebraska. We're looking forward to getting these surveys mailed out and starting data collection um, next week.
5: And when it comes to the agriculture report and the area report, do these surveys for producers who could be expecting them, are they going to be the same type of surveys? What is that going to look like if you're a producer and you should be expecting something in the mail or a phone call? How is that going to look for the producer between the two surveys?
10: Okay, between the two surveys, on the June agriculture survey, you can respond to it by on the Internet, in the mail, or you'll get a phone call, and it's a pretty simple, straightforward survey. The June area survey is a little more detailed. We'll have an aerial photo that a numerator will personally come out and visit you, and you will draw off your fields and uh, and the type of crops that are growing in those fields, and they'll come out and visit you personally. There'll be about 4,700 contacts throughout Nebraska on those two surveys.
5: And, of course, Kansas is also here in the Northern Plains region for you. What are some of those numbers in Kansas that you guys are going to be looking at to survey as well?
10: Yeah, there will be over 5,300 operators in Kansas to um, help determine crop production and levels of supply.
5: What are some of maybe the general information that you're looking for from producers and then the information that they give you for these types of reports? What is it that then NASS will be able to do with that information?
10: What we do, we're going to get a planted acres number for corn, soybeans, and all the different commodities and the harvested or intended to be harvested acres for those. And then on grain stocks, the amount of grain stored as of June 1 for corn, soybeans, etc. And then all those data we will collect and analyze the data, compile it into state totals, and publish the, those data on June 30th after we get them sent to DC and they look at it also.
5: With me is Dean Grosskirth. He is the director with NAS in the Northern Plains office based in Lincoln and there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what you will then be able to do with the data. Why don't you address some of those and what NAS will not do with the data that is collected?
10: Okay the information we get from producers is confidential um, and it's protected by law. Every individual report is, and we we summarize them in an aggregate total. We won't disclose an individual operation. We uh, don't do, put. We don't let anybody know the information until we publish it on a given day and a given time. And it's available to everybody at the same time, which creates a level playing field for for the market.
5: And then this is such highly anticipated report, the June Agriculture and Area Report. Why does this end up being such a big report when it comes to producers, and how does their data really help in producing this huge report?
10: So on March 30th, we put out the prospective Plannings report, and that's what they were um, anticipating that the farmers and ranchers in Nebraska and Kansas would produce. And so now we have to find out what they actually did, and this is those are the two surveys that will help, help us accurately measure how many acres actually got planted and how much was intended to harvest, and that's the very importance of this survey.
5: Dean, is there anything else you'd like to share with us about the June surveys being sent out?
10: Very important for all the producers who are contacted on this survey to participate in. You know, the the data that we publish and the data that we collect uh, is only as good as the survey results that we publish. So I encourage all producers out there to um, fill out their surveys, and it'll be better for everybody.
5: We've been talking with Dean Grosskirk. He is the director of the National Agriculture Statistics Service with USDA out of the Northern Plains office, which is based in Lincoln, Nebraska, discussing the two June reports that are going to be surveys, sending that information out later on next week. For the Royal Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. <laughs>
11: Back on the Rural Radio Network, let's get more about the live cattle, feeder cattle, and lean hog trade today with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
12: Well, yeah. Well, another uh, day uh, of uh, down in the uh, cattle complex. Uh, all red, right straight across. A little disappointing when you hear about cash being uh, one to two lower. The cutouts were a little higher at noon on the, on the choice over on the select. But uh, it is uh, disappointing to hear that cash come down, that put the pressure on. Uh, the fear this morning at the start was that would be the case, and, and uh, uh, I guess you have to <coughs> wonder uh, on what you wish for. So uh, pretty uh, pretty sharply lower in the feeders too, uh, uh, primarily because they're still premium. the uh, May contract goes off the board tomorrow, and uh, some triple-digit losses in the uh, live cattle. Over in the hogs, tried to hold together. The only one that to managed to stay higher was the uh, June. Cash seemed to be uh, just a little bit softer today, and that put the pressure on the, uh, the back end of the uh, market, uh, but nothing uh, substantial. We were <clears throat> a nickel higher in the June. And, uh, you know, just over 50 cents lower in in some of the uh, deferred contracts. So it wasn't a uh, a big day in the hogs. I I can't say that I I felt the volume was uh, all that great in the uh, cattle today, but it still was lower. And we now resume the uh, downtrend again with a gap lower opening this morning.
11: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. I'm Dewey Nelson.
5: (laughs) Washington, D.C. with President Donald Trump releasing his budget yesterday. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With us is Representative Adrian Smith from here in Nebraska. Congressman, why don't we discuss the budget and what some of the things that stood out to you about it?
6: Well, I'm going through uh, the, the details relating to the president's budget. Certainly I would have my concerns about, think, they would be perceived as, as unfair cuts. I, I know that there have been significant cuts to crop insurance previously for, for example I think that as we head into a, a new farm bill we want to focus our our discussion perhaps on, on a new farm bill uh, but also realize that uh, I don't think uh, we should balance uh, the budget uh, on the backs of, of folks who are already having a tough time and uh, we know that the AG economy is struggling right now. We don't want to make that worse. we, we want to end up with good policy so I'm anxious to engage. Uh, along the way and, uh, state our case, hopefully raise awareness where uh, many of these dollars go. I, I, I'll look at various proposals, you know, one at a time and, and look for uh, solutions along the way.
5: Also being a big topic of conversation and an ongoing topic is trade with the U.S. trade representative officially announcing the renegotiation of NAFTA. What are some of the things that you are hearing in Washington, D.C.?
6: Well, I I have been sharing uh, with the administration, with colleagues, uh, and many others about uh, the successes in terms of U.S. agriculture as it relates to NAFTA. Uh, The president campaigned last year on renegotiating NAFTA. (coughs) I also uh, am am quite confident that uh, he won't sell agriculture uh, down the road. The fact of the matter is there have been many benefits uh, of NAFTA. The administration has assured us uh, that uh, they they do not want to harm uh, these these successes or uh, reverse the successes, and we're going to make sure that they that they stand by that. And so, I you know the the administration has has moved forward on the so-called uh, renegotiation, uh, but we'll be watching very closely. Uh, cause certainly, as I hear from stakeholders uh, in in agriculture circles this is a a very important thing. Uh, We we don't want to to, uh, take steps backwards, whether it's uh, to make good on some political campaign rhetoric uh, or not. The fact of the matter is uh, sometimes the economy can be very fragile and we need to be very vigilant uh, along the way.
5: When it does come to that timeline for renegotiation, what are some of the things that you have heard?
6: We do, we have not uh, been told a, an exact timeline. I would imagine they're looking to keep their options open. We, I'd still like to know exactly, you know, what they would point to in terms of, of trying to renegotiate to get the better, better footing. Uh, uh, maybe, perhaps, in some technology areas that didn't exist uh, 20-some years ago when, when NAFTA was uh, initially implemented, uh, or adopted and then implemented. So, you know, I, uh, I'm open to the administration perhaps looking at uh, new ways of, of doing some things, but we, we need to make sure uh, that, uh, that the successes within NAFTA uh, are, are a good, strong uh, basis uh, for, for everything else.
5: We've been talking with Representative Adrian Smith from here in Nebraska, discussing the president's budget and also the North American Free Trade Agreement. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
11: Today was one of those really quiet days when it comes to the grain futures. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and with us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. You can't say enough about tranquility in the market today.
9: <laughs> yeah, those option sellers have uh, have been winning out here as volatility has died off. Uh, options expire on Friday, so you know maybe a little potential for some, some back and forth, but Boy, you can really tell, uh, you know, folks online and, and even in our office, we had a move five cents one way or the other, whether it be corn or wheat. Um, everybody's kind of got their eyes open looking for something. And at this point, uh, really not a whole lot to talk about here, uh, from the commercial side of things. Prices just essentially have found their soft spot. 370, uh, front month corn and, and 950 front month beans. So until we get, I think, Next week, we'll start to get some news from the USDA on what that crop looks like. And then going forward, it'll be much more focused on, on conditions. I think right now, currencies are probably pushing things around more than anything.
11: Speaking of currencies, what have you found?
9: Well, you've got two stories, all right? So you have a weakening U.S. dollar uh, against the major pairs, and that's really the Japanese yen and the euro. And that's why I think wheat has performed somewhat versus the uh, versus the other versus the... Uh, I'm sorry. Where it's been, you know, kind of being up here thirty cents. I think a lot of folks thinking it's weather. Uh, I, I'm more in the camp thing, and then it's just more of the weaker dollar that's that price is a little bit elevated. Uh, and then you have the U.S. dollar versus the, the kind of the outside market forces, which are the ruble uh, and the Brazilian pound or the Brazilian real. And the real has been real strong, a weak against the dollar rather. And I think that's going to be more of an effect on soybeans. So from a standpoint of really trading this stuff shorter term, I'd probably skew to think the dollar is going to strengthen, just given that's the longer term trend of it, but, you know, we're, we're kind of almost 100 days past uh, that meeting between Trump and the president uh, of China. They mentioned some things might be happening, so that's where I'm kind of keeping my ears open for here in the short run, that maybe we'll get a, uh, a surprise buy of corn or maybe some, some additional soybean purchases, something like that to really get the market awakened. Until then, it's, it's going to be about weather watching, and, and unfortunately, I think the when nothing's going on, the pattern is down, and that's, that's really what we've seen the last couple of days. The
11: weather market will be of more and more importance when we get past the Labor Day weekend, don't you think?
9: Absolutely. Tuesday of next week, we get that first nationwide survey, and that's, that's really, I think, what the market's waiting on at this
11: point. All right, thanks. Did I say Labor Day? Okay, Memorial Day. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. If you need more information, go to danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network.